And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, fresh off the rugby bandwagon on Saturday. No comeback on the cards in the Premiership as Celtic put their title rivals in the corner, just like Neil Lennon. Hamilton break hearts, Aberdeen have an unhappy homecoming, and is the top six race going down to the wire? Not if McNulty can help it. Coming up this Saturday, it's the Iron Brew Cup final, Scotland v Wales. And put the kettle on. The co-manager of Championship Leaders Ross County, Stuart Kettlewell, joins us on the podcast. Alongside me, two people who always boil over. From The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull, and from Copper 90, hello, Laura Brannan. Hello. Boiling over, folks. We saw earlier on the week a Scottish football fan has been told that his Bristol City season ticket may be revoked because of his swearing. He believes he's been discriminated against because of his accent. Um, this guy's called Barry Ennis uh, and he faces being banned from Ashton Gate. He's already been moved from his seat in the South Stand to a different part of the ground and City say they've received repeated complaints about his swearing. Oh, God. I mean, he shouldn't be swearing really too much anyway. This guy, he's, he's from Kirkcaldy in Fife, but he believes he's it's being... a strong accent. Yeah, he's been... He thinks he's being picked on by the club stewards because he's Scottish. Um, I suspect... I don't have any idea, but I suspect that's not the entire story. <laughs> I, I just don't think if you were the type not swearing, you'd go to the paper about this. <laughs> also, also, me personally, I can be... like When I play football, I, I surprise myself sometimes by how loud I can actually be to the point where it's sometimes... I heard you do this podcast at <laughs> <in, in, in laughs> the beginning. Everyone loves my hello, that's or maybe not. That's what happens to me when I play Mario Kart. I am yeah. a foul-mouthed person when I play Mario Kart. Glad you did foul um yeah so i can be in the touchline just screaming um directions and stuff like that to the point where opposition teams are just going just shut up um so yeah i am loud it is quite an aggressive accent sometimes i know one example where someone was going to get started on or someone was wanted to mug them and he turned around and said something like uh, what are you doing but in a very scottish <laughs> accent Aye. And it initially put them off because it sounds quite aggressive, like you're from Game of Thrones or something like that. So yes, it's a benefit. It's our defence mechanism. It yeah. is, it is. We've got to defend ourselves down here. It's been a tough week for Stephen Gerrard's Rangers. A draw at Hibs, followed by Scottish Cup exit to Aberdeen, followed by another draw against Kilmarnock on Saturday at Ibrox. We're joined now by David Edgar from the Heart and Hand podcast. We argued with Laura last week about this issue of the title race. Is it over, David? Yeah, 10 points is too much uh, at this stage of the season. Not only because I think it's unlikely that Celtic will drop that many, although I think they'll drop more than they maybe would have done six weeks ago, for example. But I don't think that Rangers can legitimately, given a form this season, say, and we're definitely going to pick up eight wins. So, yeah, I think that, unfortunately, the last two weeks have probably put it to bed. So if the race is over, how much is that very disappointing to Rangers and how much would you say is kind of accepted? Do you think it changed over the season where some people were said, well, we'll give them loads of time, we'll be fine, but maybe actually that's not quite the case now? It didn't, it didn't. Um, At the start of the season, everyone said he's a rookie manager, he'll need to be given time to make mistakes, there's positive signs, he will make mistakes and when that happens, we'll... Uh, we'll live with it. And that's that's really easy to do in September when we're winning. Um, it became very difficult to remain quite as sanguine when the results aren't as good, but it doesn't change the fact. One of the things I think that we as football fans do collectively is that when we when a manager talks about, you know, changing the mistakes or sorry, sorting the mistakes or sorting the problems, that we think he means the next game. And I don't think that's how it works in football. I think it's an evolutionary process rather than he just turns up in training on Monday and says, right, lads, you know what you did at the weekend? Stop doing that and do something (laughs) different on Saturday and everything will be okay." So I think that, unfortunately, it will take time. Now, Rangers fans are absolutely desperate for success, totally success-starved, and the last few years being what they've been. um, That's going to add pressure to anyone. But I don't think that, apart from... I mean, I know Rangers fans that have wanted the manager sacked since before they were born. Um, (laughs) I've known Rangers fans who wanted Walter sacked and who wanted Advocate sacked and and, 
it's very much what we do. I had a friend who was an Arnold Firm fan. He said to me years ago that that's that's the difference between, if you like, the, the rest of the clubs in the old firm, that with us, it's a bad result. It's sack somebody, buy somebody. Um, it's just instantly get the quick fix in. So there wasn't going to be a quick fix to Rangers' problems. We didn't get there overnight and we weren't going to get out of it quickly. And unfortunately, you know, Kashinia, Warburton, etc. They were all false starts, so you were going to have to really have a, a sort of year zero, which was last summer. Now, in terms of has he made mistakes? Yes, plenty. Has he improved the side? Yes. And I know that, that some people say, oh, you're 10 points behind and throw various stats, but he has. It's a fact. If you look at Rangers' problems this season, in the main, it's that we don't get scudded, and we did last season and the season before. Let's be honest, Rangers were capable of going out and getting absolutely tanned by anybody on any given day. And that doesn't happen now. The problem is, is that we don't have enough creative players and we don't turn draws into wins. I could, off the top of my head, no prep, tell you five matches Rangers should have won this season that we've drawn. And I can't think of too many where we haven't played well and we have picked up three points. And that's the problem. If this Rangers team plays well, it can win against anyone and it can beat teams comfortably and handily, but it has to play well to do that. It doesn't get over the line in a game where it's tight or where the opposition are defending resolutely like at the weekend. We don't have that the, the couple of players in midfield who can help us turn a 1-1 into victory. And Celtic do. And that's understandable where they've been and you know what they have been able to spend and the talent that they have. So... It's a question of improving the mentality and it's a question of improving the quality of the players. And unfortunately, in terms of the rest of the season, I'm not entirely sure it can be done with the current squad of players that are available. You only really have one match winner and that's Morelos. And that's potentially, that's that's a player that's potentially not going to be there next season. Rangers are far too reliant on him. Far, far too reliant. Even the manager said so at the weekend. And what we need, and you're right, I mean... It can happen or it might not, but what we need is to have, rather than maybe having one brilliant player, have four or five really good ones and don't put all your eggs in a Morelos-shaped basket. And that's what we have at the moment. Now, you can eat quite easily Tottenham Hotspur and you sell bail and you bring in, God, I don't think we can remember most of them. The only one is still there, I think, is Ericsson. So you can absolutely go and cock that up and that's why the recruitment is vital. And look, if Rangers bring in six players this summer. There's no way all six of them are going to be standouts. You know, there will be a couple that flop. But what you need is to get the you know the two or three guys that come in and make a big difference and have excellent seasons. And then I do believe that they'll raise the standard of the others. Again, though, you know, I'm well aware Celtic could go out in the summer and bring in four or five top-class players themselves. And then it makes our task even more uh, difficult. But we can't work on that. What we, we can't do is say we need to do this to get ahead of Celtic. What we need to do is sign players to say so that we'll have this much more or this many more points this time next year because it's only about improving us. And as I say, if we're focused on what Celtic do, we'll never catch them up. It's weird that Kamarnik had far more possession this game because I, I think you were texting me about it or something. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought you had the wrong, I the thought, wrong way round. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It was like 75% possession to Kilmarnock in the first half, wasn't it? Something I, like I that. can't remember the exact first half. Something I know it was you would normally expect. Six, it was, 60, 61% or something like that. Yeah, in the end. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so, but Rangers were playing really wide, so obviously if you're at home, the onus is on you to try and bring the game to them. So they were very wide in their normal kind of 43 shape, wherever it was. Kelly stayed quite narrow, and they had a block in the middle. They were just going straight through the middle every attack. You saw the two wingers were basically inside forwards. They are really tight and narrow, so whenever they were winning the ball, they had someone next to them to... Uh, counter press and keep taking them forward and that ball by I think it was Power who hit the ball over the top was, for this yeah. so clever but you see how wide Rangers are but was it not a bit surprising because I, I think it, Goldson was actually ahead of Katic I think it was wasn't it so that was a, a defensive pairing that Rangers haven't had in a little while Katic hasn't played a lot little mistakes like that will happen is if that not when, when maybe a goalkeeper tries to take control of the situation as well and then makes mistakes well, that's what makes McGregor so stuff, good is he, he sees stuff and he reacts straight away yeah. he's proactive so he runs off his line come out I mean you can't because it, where it lands you can't then go all the way through and wipe him out because he'll be off well would he? <laughs> <laughs> we should mention Conor McElhaney who came on for Eamon Brophy who was injured so he wasn't obviously in the plans for the 
the start of the game. Yeah. But he's done bloody well to f- to finish that. You know, he's on loan yeah, from Fleetwood I, as well. So. I, I, I've liked the look of what I've seen of him so far, and I, I can't say it's been a lot, but when I have seen him play, he, he seems like a wee exciting player. Mm-hmm. I was surprised, though, that he wasn't starting. I think he can feel hard done by not getting in Ahead that of team. Profi. Yeah, but then I think that I would try and find a, a some sort of formation and set up to accommodate both of them. Uh, you can't. How do you play two strikers though, and still defending that? Especially at Ibrox. Yeah, you know. of course it's difficult. But considering how well he's done, I think he can feel hard done by not being straight in. But then he's got his chance now. I thought as well. It's interesting because Brophy twanged his hamstring. It looked like when he was hitting a shot. Yeah. This classic where you see he's just not playing as well as he was early in the season. Because I think early in the season he would have taken a beat and passed inside to the man who's standing there waiting for the ball. It's really naive. I think a lot of players get a bit in the headlights when they get to the, the box at Ibrox and you've mm-hmm. got a chance to score and they mm-hmm. rush it. Gary Digger took a jab at Gerard in social media afterwards. Gerard doesn't seem to like this game. I like this. Lots of strong challenges. I think the referee was superb and got every single thing right apart from Goldson's uh, tackle at the end, which I think should have been a red. I felt there was a lot of handbags in this game. Oh yeah, and Kent should have been in trouble for there was shoving a Kentish Bola incident. I thought that was nothing. There was nothing in that, and I, I kind of I like the fact that there wasn't much made of a lot of the incidents. And then so Gary Decker comes out and says, "What was it? he said? Does anyone ever score a good goal against this lot?" Yeah, I like that. It's cheeky. It's having a wee dig. Arguably too far, but it's nice to hear players come out and actually speak honestly because too often you get uh, on the Celtic side and the Rangers side, it's always they're always playing the victim card it's always cheated never defeated and it's nice that opposition players actually came out and called them out for it I think, uh, I think, Kilmar- decent. I think Kilm- Kilmarnock's definitely went went into that game to get into the Rangers players head yes they Tight know they in. know that the pressure was on them in their own ground after the two results that they've had, losing to Aberdeen in the Cup and then drawing with Hibs before that, they know the pressure was on, so just get into their heads. Rangers played perfectly into Kilmarnock's hands, but arguably, Rangers had their chances to to take this game. And the, the issue with Rangers this season, and we heard from David earlier on, they don't have enough match winners, and they rely on the likes of Morelos a lot of the tackles, I know. I bet there's a lot of Rangers fans who will think that they were really dirty tackles, but I think they were strong but fair, and they were mistimed. There was a couple that were mistimed. It's different to going in trying to hack someone or being dirty. Like it's a good dirty, yeah, which I can I appreciate. Agree <laughs> but I think you're right. It was winding up Rangers players a lot, and yeah. obviously got to Gerard yeah. too. It was rough. Points. It was, Rangers are having a rough time of it. Great but. finish by Morelos, by the way, for that goal. A nice, a weird turn. But, um, Finley might have been better off just grabbing him before he goes round him. Morelos has sucked him in, and he's unfortunate. But he is fortunate to get called up to the Scotland squad. So fair play. Very fortunate. Celtic were seconds away from missing the chance to go 10 points clear for the second weekend in a row. But in the sixth minute of Lenny time, Odson Edward popped up with a last-minute winner at Dens Park to deny Dundee a draw and send Neil Lennon off to the corner flag. Stoppage time, six minutes. Jim McIntyre nope. thought it was strange. I thought it was strange, yeah. um, but I was correctly um, informed it was for... Six substitutions and three head injuries. Apparently so, yes. So that does make absolute sense. But watching the game, I didn't. I just don't see where. I've seen games where you've had six six substitutions, about five goals, and the referee still goes for three minutes. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it just happens. I don't yeah, think that's, it's that's normal though because it's a, it's thirty seconds per sub, isn't it? Uh, yes. So with six subs, yes. it's a set yeah. three minutes, and is so. a minute per head knock. Also, Dundee and, should have held on, and they had a chance in the breakaway. And they wasted it shooting stupidly from 20 yards when they should have either run to the corner or just passed it and kept it cool. It's real inexperience, immaturity. And that's. And tiredness as well. Tiredness. I know. They, they did that run and then having to track all the way back again. And the ball's going straight through passing lanes that it should be standing in. Yeah. yeah, as, yeah. It was, they is, just well, gave up the, at that point. That, that is where the difficulty comes for teams playing against the likes of Celtic. In those crucial moments of a game when you commit as many players forward as Dundee did, I think it was about five players up there at the time, and it was, like you said, a really poor pass. And Celtic, even at 96 minutes, can still race forward 
with the amount of pace. And I think it was it was Edward who picked up from a, a poor McGowan clearance. I think he tries to pass it to the middle of the park rather than just launch it into, it across into his the own box, basically. So so Edward just takes advantage and it's funny because Forrest, who was playing on the right, actually comes across to the left. So the the game plan's out the window at this point. But you have to have players in your back line like McGowan. I thought McGowan and Darren O'Dea had an absolutely brilliant game. But it, all it takes is one moment and they were punished. Forrest into Edward and bang. Dundee were set up really well. I was really impressed with how they defended and uh, blocked Celtic. They kept forcing them wide. They couldn't pass through the middle. I thought Celtic weren't very good either. And I can already see a slight decline in the way they play from Roger. Lennon's a bit more direct, I think. He likes to get Very the ball forward so. quicker. And you can see that that's going to take a bit of transition. And the players suit having that short passing because it draws people out, it tires out the opposition. But if you're going direct, then they can win aerial balls and that. And it's, you know, you're chasing second balls. Well, it was odd, wasn't it? The amount of crosses into the box for Celtic, which you didn't see a lot of under Brendan Rodgers. And one thing I've noticed, which was, I think, think similar to when the last time Neil Lennon was in charge you see when Celtic had Virgil van Dijk in their side the amount of times he would take the ball and run into the the opposition's midfield lay off the ball and then he would go into the box and Christopher Iyer is doing the exact same things it seems to be a kind of method of Lennon's for the his central defenders because the amount of time they have the ball well I think it's a method of if you're you've got van Dijk and Iyer and Iyer can do that as well yeah. he's a big tall lad and a very good player. Okay, he's came in, it's not his players. He's trying to impose his philosophy and his tactics. Fair enough. It is a case of being patient. He's not got his own players. He will have after the summer when he gets a job permanently, which is going to happen. So it's a case of just how much can he impose his thoughts onto these players just now. And the fact that, yes, okay, it's maybe not a smooth process, but they're still pulling off the results. He's still getting it at the end of the day. And it, okay, it takes 96 minutes, but he's getting the three points. And that's the important thing right now. You're absolutely right. Cause th- this is the first time Celtic have actually won three games away from home this season That's in the league this is the first time they've, they've won three games in a row in a, in a row yeah. um, this is also uh, Stefan Binkowski friend of the podcast Celtic have won 69% of their games they were drawing at half time Rangers have only won 14% of the games they were drawing at half time so it shows you the the gulf there is a little bit it suggests that Celtic have a lot of the ball yes. and it takes the time to break a team down because everyone defends in that low uh, block in the in the middle of the park and push them wide. Uh, it's similar with um, with Killy, Dundee attacked really narrowly because to break those teams down you have to go really wide. So Dundee counterattacked through the middle, and you saw yeah. it's one of the reasons like Scott Wright just couldn't get in the Aberdeen team at the end uh, before he went on loan because his final action is never just good enough. He's really good at running with the ball. He takes it very well between the lines and makes stuff happen. But then his cross isn't good enough or his final ball isn't good. And you saw his one chance and he ran right through the middle, got into the box. Uh, well, he picked it up, you know, and this counter-attack through the middle. And it's almost as if he's just too tired then to pick his shot. It's mm. that extra bit that makes you a better player. And I was wondering, do better players, like the ones that Celtic and, I don't know, like Liverpool have, are they just better players because they're much fitter? And if that is the case, why don't you just get really fit? <laughs> I was thinking about this at the weekend. I actually think it's, you know the difference between a top-class player and a good player because of decision-making. Yes. I think decision-making is the key. And the thing was, you're right, I think I think Scott Wright has really impressed me since he's went on low to Dundee. I think his final ball's decent. I can remember the pass he played in. You can hit a ball as yeah, well, it's yeah. just too often it's decision. It's right. just unfortunate, and it was also a good save from Scott Bain. It's Toyan who, who kind of just lets Scott Wright have that amount of space. But I think it's decision-making that makes the difference. And when, he's there in that situation exactly. Yeah. I think he should know that Bain's at the angle that he can't score unless he hits it low under him. It's the only way he can score there. So either you've got to take it just before you get to that bit, before you push it into that section he was in, or you take it round again because you know Bain's got to commit himself. So I, I had Thierry Henry say something on, I think it was Monday Night Football or something like that, a few years ago, about when he was under Pep Guardiola. And he was saying Pep used to always say, my job is to just get you into the final third and then it's up to you. And that's when you have your good players. And that's why you pay big bucks. And it's unfortunate. I think Scott Wright will be fine. I think he's done really well this season. Yeah. Thought, uh, well, since he went on loan. And I thought he was excellent defensively. He played, He was excellant in the game. I think every single player in the Dundee team was. Yeah. It was I mean, they were so close to getting a great result. So unexpected. And that was... If they're going to get a result against Celtic, it would be then just when they're 
changing manager and they're changing approach. Really close. Interesting to see what happens to uh, Celtic with the keep Lennon next season. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think Dundee are doing a lot better than they were. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. What a week Mark McNulty's had, and it continues. The Scotland call-up, followed by his seventh goal in seven games for Hibs. McNulty's on the case, and Motherwell had no answer. Hibs unbeaten in five Premiership games under Paul Heckingbottom, a 2-0 win over the Steelman that may have been enough to cement Hibernian's place in the top six. Mark McNulty marking his first Scotland call-up with another goal. He's on fire, guys. He's scoring all the goals. Yeah. Although, I was actually more impressed with Horgan. Yeah. I thought he was doing even more in terms of setting up, creating... Um, well, he was influential in the first goal, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I just felt as though everything that Hibs were creating, Horgan was sort of instrumental to mm-hmm. a lot of that. Um, and McNulty kind of gets the credit for a lot of that mm-hmm. because he's the one that ultimately puts it in the back of the net. The, the first goal was a penalty, wasn't yeah. it? So it was, Hor- it was Horgan who... Uh, it, was a, it was a lovely one too between him and McNulty, wasn't it? Horgan straight through, almost one-on-one with the keeper, but decides to cut it back and I think it comes off um, old, Tom Aldridge's Tom yeah. hand. Yeah, it's a handball, yeah. Yeah. Uh, McNulty strikes it, comes off his, off his hand. It's like, a definite penalty. I like Stevenson's attempt to make it 1-0 early on by pushing the ball against his own post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stevenson. God, he must have been. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Robinson did say afterwards that pretty much summed up their luck for the afternoon. I like that. I really like the Motherwell. They changed the way they've played this the last few weeks. I know he said it a few times in the on the podcast, but it is really nice to watch. They're I really not l- lumping it forward anymore. Like they, they, they do it down again because they've got units. But they have um, <laughs> like Ariyebi. I can't say his name properly. Ariyebi. Ariyebi. Yes, on the left wing or left forward. Is uh, he's such a good little wee player, really good on the ball, very fast, great balance, and um, causes problems. But he didn't, he didn't have a great time of it though on Saturday. No, but it happens with players like that. You know, especially they're young, they can mm. be inconsistent. I actually thought Hibbs kind of neutralised everything that Motherwell were trying to accomplish. I thought, I thought, I thought Hibbs were excellent. Yeah, if I I'm feel honest. like all the kind of players that have done well in recent weeks, Arabi, Hasty, Turnbull, mm-hmm. they all had very quiet games, and that's testament to what Hibbs did. That's not saying that these players are bad players, or even necessarily they had an off day. It's Hibbs went out there with the right game plan, kept them quiet, and from a Motherwell perspective, massively disappointing for a team that could have turned around their, their whole top six hopes, and now it looks like it's a mountain for them to climb. They were second best in this game, and one thing about Hibs, I think, under Hickenbottom, they've got a lot of patience. So in that first goal, or in the lead-up to the penalty decision, um, 25 passes I counted in the build-up to that. It's like the opposite of Celtic. So where Celtic have gone slightly more direct and trying to be more dangerous in transition, like Lennon is doing. So Hebs are going from being more direct and based on transition to mm-hmm. being a possession kind of team, yeah. which I think is probably good because Hebs are weird. They're in that weird part where um, they can't really counterattack every single game because teams don't sit back or teams don't attack them. You know, mm-hmm. They kind of sit in the middle. It's very difficult to work out what your strategy should be. It's like a diamond he's playing just now, right? Yeah. I'd like that the the passes and possession based game is working for them, and long may it continue because yes. that's the way to play football, well, my friend. Steve, Stephen Allen was kind of at the base of that, but you had someone like Omionga who broke up everything for for Motherwell. He was he was winning every fifty fifty almost, and he was also starting attacks. Um, he was really interesting for me. He, he I think he's been called up to the under twenty one Belgium side as well. So he's well thought of. Whether or not he can force himself into that first team international setup, but he's he's on loan from Genoa. He's certainly someone I think people can enjoy at Hibs at least until the end of the season. Um, but now we're in a position where Hibs are now pressing Hearts, and not just mm-hmm. Hibs going for a top six spot, but for Hearts to slip out of that top six would be incredible. So there's two points between them just now. Hearts are on 47, Hibs are on 45. Now, if Hearts slip down... There's three games to go until the split, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, you're saying mathematically it is possible for Hearts to slip out of the top six. It's very unlikely. But you imagine if that actually happened after that start to the season. That would be incredible. Mm, yeah. Never. But no, never if you look happened. at Motherwell's running, Motherwell have got St Johnson, Aberdeen and Rangers. I can't see them. Well... I can't see him putting hearts down, but Hibs is going to be a very tough test for them now. Do you think Hibs have probably got it in the 
in the bag, top six. It would be an incredible turnaround for because it's a big it's a big deal finishing top six, right? It's a big deal finishing. Oh, really? You're you've got you're going to make more money out of it. Yeah, with gate receipts playing yeah. better teams. You're playing bigger teams. You're going back to Ibrox for a second time. But it's just, it's, yeah, okay, they're harder games, but they're bigger games for the fans. They're more mm-hmm. exciting for the fans. For a team around that middle of the table, they don't want to be dragged into playing against the likes of Dundee and St Mirren who mm-hmm. are fighting for a life because then they're possibly going to lose more points. I used to hate it when Aberdeen were in the bottom six. It was so pointless. When I had a season ticket, my God, it was just, you, you don't care. It's it's not it's not fun. Like cancel it. This league is stupid. Uh, I'm out. Listeners, we are Scottish and we love beer. We especially love craft beer. So it's good news that once again we are sponsored by Edinburgh's very own Beer Fifty Two, who want to give all of you lovely listeners to the Totally Scottish Football Show a free case of beer. Hooray! Craft beer. Beer Fifty Two is the largest craft beer on the planet. The largest craft beer on the planet. How big is it? Largest craft beer club on the planet. <laughs> they search out exclusive small batch booze from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. This month, for absolutely no reason in particular, they're bringing together the craft breweries from across the UK and Europe for their Citizens of Everywhere case, featuring the Anglo-Swedish mashup Citra Grisette. Wales Tiny Rebel Mango IPA. I've had that. That's amazing. Tiny Rebel make very good beer. Yeah. And the refreshingly crisp French brew from Mont Salève. It's almost my name. If that all sounds like your type of thing, sign up now at beer52.com slash Scottish and you'll get eight craft beers, some delicious bar snacks, and probably best of all, Beer 52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. Again, the beer is the best bit. <laughs> all you have to do is pay five ninety five for delivery. And if you decide after that, this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch. You can leave Beer 52 at any time, which is class. Just head to beer52.com slash scottish and enter the offer code SCOTTISH to claim your free case today. That's beer52.com slash scottish. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. The Iron Brew Cup final will be contested this weekend between Ross County and Connors Key Nomads of Wales. And we're joined now by a man looking to bring home silverware on Saturday, Ross County co-manager Stuart Kettlewell. Stuart, six wins in a row in the Championship, top of the table. How much has this cup run helped your league form? I think just winning in general um, really helps you. That was that was something that we touched on early in the season um, with the players prior to the, the first game that we wanted to make a real fist of every cup competition that we were involved in. Obviously, we wanted to make a, a real fist of the um, the league campaign as well. And I think they go hand in hand. I think if you're I think if you're achieving success in any of the competitions, it just it breeds that 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 winning mentality and that that confidence. And, and fortunately enough, we've we've been able to do that. You know, we've had a good run in the the league cup. The, the Scottish Cup and obviously the, the Iron Brew Cup so that certainly helped our, our league form and, and vice versa I think winning games in the league obviously help you when you go back into the cup competitions um, and our focus has been clear as I say just to just to try and um, win as many games of football as, as humanly possible this season So you're without top goal scorer Billy McKay obviously for the rest of the season he broke his arm a few weeks back how do you feel the side have coped without him so far? Yes, so far, so, so far it's been good. We've obviously won uh, the game since since losing Billy, um, but we certainly can't uh, underestimate how big a blow um, it is to lose Billy McKay. He's been a talisman for us this season. Myself and Stephen with a um, with a better life on Billy getting twenty goals this season, and, and you know that was his last act. Obviously, in, in the in the act of breaking his arm, that was that was what he was doing, completing his heart and getting his twentieth goal of the season. So it was kind of bittersweet. He's obviously had a great impact on our squad. Um, and how we've played this season um, but it's just it's obviously a real disappointment to lose him but what it does is, is gives the other guys in that area of the pitch an opportunity and fortunately enough so far they've, they've stepped forward you know Brian Graham's chipped in with a few goals in the last couple of games Ross Stewart was showing signs of uh, good form as well so there's been lots of positives and, and certainly guys that have got real quality that can that can fill that void How much do you know about Connors Key? How much, uh, how much have you been able to scout them? Yeah, we'll um, we'll prepare for that game the same way that we will any other 
Um, we'll have as much footage on them as, as what we have done for our other opponents this season. You know, there's, there's ways and means, there's uh, loads of um, opportunities we have with the systems we use to get to get footage of them. And fortunately, myself and Stephen went down to the game against Queen's Park earlier in the season as well. So we've had eyes on them live. And as I say, we've got footage where we'll um, learn as much as we possibly can about them. And we'll be well set for the game come Saturday. What are you expecting from them? I think we know we're going to be in a game. Um, certainly, uh, we could see from uh, from the Queen's Park game that it was a physical encounter. Um, obviously, they're very well organised. They're very well set up to play off attack and set plays. Um, and, and we'll be giving them a huge amount of respect because I, I, I think I've probably heard one or two things that are a wee bit derogatory towards them. But um, I think that they've, they've had a very good season themselves. And, and for them to get a good run in this competition speaks volumes for, for the work that they're, they're doing at their club. So um, we, we realise this is going to be a really difficult task and, and, it, and it's one we're going to have to brace ourselves and make sure we're ready to, to, to meet head on. So Stuart, the, the game takes place at the Caledonian Stadium. Uh, neutrals would say that gives you a wee bit of an advantage playing at a ground you've played at just a month ago nah, you know what it's, um, if, if anybody had seen the pitch here on Thursday Friday uh, as I did um, then, then it wouldn't it was waterlogged and it wasn't looking the best but no, I'm sure come Saturday it'll be looking really good it's a big pitch hopefully it'll suit us in the way that we want to try and play um, but in terms of an advantage I, I, I don't know so much but the one thing that we are really positive on is that it, it, it means very little travel for us you know a lot of players are based in Inverness so um, it means that it's it's almost like a home game for us so um, we certainly draw on the positives from that but I don't think it makes it an easier an easier a task than, than, than we would imagine I, I still think we know we're going to be in a real game and, and have our hands full dealing with Connors Cree if you speak to any professional anybody involved in the game they'll tell you that you want to you want to lift silverware um, you're ultimately judged on uh, how many medals you win or uh, how successful you are with a football club and, and we're no different our players are no different um, this competition would mean a lot to us to, to try and win it um, as difficult as it's going to be but we set our stall out to try and win as, as much as we possibly can and as I say we've got an opportunity being in a cup final to, to lift silverware probably myself and Stephen are, are, are in our infancy as, as managers so to speak so this opportunity has come along pretty quickly for us but as I say it's one that you've got to embrace I've been fortunate enough to win the competition with, um, as a player at Ross County um, several years ago um, and, and I know it was a catalyst for, for a great deal of success that we managed to achieve thereafter you know it says in, in good stead for, for the, the coming seasons after that I think the next again year we were promoted to the Premier League and maybe um, we won the championship and the year after that I think it was a top five finish in the in the Premier League so I think it can have great great effect on your club and, and on your mentality and, and that's certainly something that we'll be looking into No Neil White this week because well, the weather ravaged the SPFL schedule, so only one championship game made it. But let's give a shout out to Stranra, who won the relegation six pointer with Stenhouse Muir in League One. Yeah! <laughs> and Edinburgh City missed the chance to close the gap on Peterhead at the top of League Two. They only conceded 18 goals all season prior to Saturday, but they lost 3 1 at Annan Athletic, meaning there's still five points, I think, separating the citizens from the Blue Tune. I should add that Fort William lost 11-1 to Turf United, oh, really? which means they've let in 199 goals this season. The next goal is 200, and I think they win a, I think they win Fort William. <laughs> what sort of wooden spoon do you receive? <laughs> How big is that wooden spoon that you get? Come on, there oh, must man. be some folk reading, like listening to this who can play football to a semi-decent standard. It's Highland League. It's obviously a very good standard, but give them a hand. I would love to play for them. I genuinely would, but I'm fat now. <laughs> live kind of far away as well. Yeah. Oh, but I, I, honestly, if I was guaranteed a game and I could get the time off work, I would definitely fly to Fort William. I would week. go up there. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's turn our attention back to the Premiership anyway. Aberdeen won. Livingston won on Saturday. Aberdeen have the best away record in the Premiership, and they're through to the Scottish Cup semi-finals. JJ. That's should, correct. Should we expect a song? The Mighty Dons March on. No more songs. <laughs> I've done two. Is that you're not going to get to the final? Oh, it's Laura. I don't play for Aberdeen. <laughs> I merely have a very large soft spot for them. The, um, Aberdeen were superb in that win over Rangers on Tuesday. So it seems to be whenever Aberdeen play a game midweek after we've done a recording, they're absolutely excellent, just waiting for me to not be able to remember anything that happened the following 
record day. But it was one of the best performances I've seen Aberdeen play Rangers. Wow. It's a, like it's fantastic. The first game, the one-one, was a good match and you know, quite quite evenly balanced. And I think Aberdeen just absolutely nailed it without Cosgrove as well. Stevie May came in. Weirdly, the last couple of games, Greg Stewart. Yeah. has not been in the team. Yeah. <laughs> so the team, the player that has helped knows Dave Kilmarnock's push for a top three has not getting in the team tonight. And I wonder whether he's injured or not. Mm. Anyway, we should talk about the Livingston game. What? Aberdeen, hugely inconsistent at home, really quite horrible to watch. And I think it's still the same problem I've seen earlier in the season. I don't like the way they set up at home. Now, McInnes is very good at setting up a team to be in the counter-attack. And when they play away from home, perfect, because that's how you play. You're on the counter-attack, you're in the back foot, naturally you can play that way. It's the same sort of shape, it's like a 4-2-3-1 he's playing a lot of the time at the moment. It sometimes becomes a 4-2-4, because the two sitting midfielders sit right deep with the defenders, the fullbacks don't push on, so it looks more like a 2-4, and then there's just lads at the other end of the pitch you can't do anything about. The positioning of the fullbacks is not good at home, so they're not wide enough and they're not forward enough to enable There's a, a vertical pass from the centre-backs out to it so sometimes the shape looks okay in defence but up front everyone's standing wide or up top so it's like there's a big open box yeah. open in the middle of the pitch yeah. so Man City play a similar sort of shape but they have two centre midfielders De Bruyne and Silva who'll drop into that as eights into that space to be able to link the ball what you, if you don't have that you can have a ten that drops into the space but then Stewart's maybe playing on the on wide here so he's not doing that and he could do that when he came on as a sub so they're missing this whole link so they can't then build up and it's based on launching the ball long which then Aberdeen's not winning the second balls yeah. or it's going wide and being cleared because Livy are good at they're very well set up defensively so they're they were doing very well getting the ball away and then Aberdeen got the first goal it was a bit of pressure and crossing from the right McGinn timed his volley fantastically but Livy didn't really give up they got the free kick which was I don't know if you've seen that was contested massively by McInnes wasn't it he said it just wasn't a free kick but what do you think no it wasn't a free kick Sometimes it really works. I think McInnes is, is a great manager, but I think the problem he's got is that the players that you need to play this kind of possession football, he doesn't really have. They really miss Kenny McLean so much. He was the link in the last time. They had Ryan Christie, we said this a few times before. Those kind of number 10 players who can also play as an eight, you need them really when you're trying to keep the ball. I think Aberdeen will be okay for third this season. Killy are starting, they looked really good against uh, Rangers in the weekend, and so you, it's not over. I don't think you can call it. There's one point between them just now. So Aberdeen are on 52, Kelly on 51. I know, Aberdeen's Aber- got the, the history of doing it. But then mentality. Aberdeen's running. Hearts, Motherwell, Dundee. Kelly's running. Hamilton, Hibs and St. John's. Ah, but they're all fighting for, for relegation at Hamilton. That. But I think all many, of them are winnable games. How many Aberdeen's games are away? Oh. <laughs> Good point. Listen, let's talk about Livingston because yes. it was a huge point for them. But we've said for a long time they are safe. They are probably not going to shout at top six, but this is an excellent season for Livingston. How difficult will it be to finish the season strong, but also to go into the summer knowing that they're likely to lose the likes of um, Craig Halkett? Looks like it's going to go is to Hearts. contract, is he, or is he... Yeah, yeah. contract, yeah. But then you're saying it's a good season for Livy haven't won an away game since August. I think... That's, well, hold ins- on. that's an incredible stat. Yeah, an away game... But they've also been picking up points at ho- home. They've been exceptional been this season. Home. And the the key point for Livingston this season was to avoid relegation. And they're not even in the conversation yeah, they've, they've for relegation. That box. They have achieved what they've set out to do. Mm-hmm. But I think if it wasn't for that incredible start to the season, no one would be talking them up this year. No, but I think you you look at the players that have came up, their defence has been exceptional. Declan Gallagher, Craig Halkett are absolute standouts for me. I'm not surprised that... The, that Teams like Hearts and I'm pretty sure Celtic and Rangers have thought about it, um, getting yeah, it, Kelly being interested. Well. Liam Kelly He's called up to the Scotland squad. Absolutely yeah. outstanding season. So outside of Celtic and Rangers and Kelly, he has conceded the least number of goals. Mm-hmm. In the Were we talking about the goalkeepers last week on the podcast or in a pub? <laughs> Which was it? It's blurred lines at this point, isn't it? <laughs> talking about who's in the, the Scotland squad, I'm trying to think of the best goalkeeper in the SPFL. Do you think it's McGregor? But he's a bit of a renegade, isn't he? I'd say Alan McGregor is the best McGregor. goalkeeper, definitely. Technically, technically, probably the best goalkeeper. And with experience on top of that. Yeah, I think it's it's horrible news for Scotland that he's retired. Especially when you have Craig Gordon also injured. Yeah, but then at the same time, I don't really rate Craig Gordon now as much as I did in the past. So even like now, I wouldn't put Craig Gordon straight into the side if he was fit. It would be a case of I think we should nationalise Joe Lewis. There must be a way to do that. Well, Joe Lewis... Like the trains. Well, that's, Joe Lewis was called up to the England squad once. 
Was he really? Yeah, he was in the England squad when he was that? back in the... Oh, I can't remember the team he was at, but he definitely was in the England squad. Cause that was... is great knowledge. See, that's the kind of thing that I would hear and I would think, I have confused my Championship Manager game with real life. Yeah, well, he, he was in the England squad. It was, I think it was about 11 years ago, wasn't it? That is tremendous knowledge, now you know that. Didn't play for them, though, so you can still nationalise him. And he hoists it forward. Oakley's the target, takes it in well. Miller assessing his options. Aaron McGowan is arriving! Oh, wow! Well, how's that for a finish? A huge win for Hamilton in their battle to beat the drop. Right back, Aaron McGowan with the only goal against Hearts at New Douglas Park in the first half. What a goal it was as well. JJ, tell me about it. Talk to me. Mikel Miller is wide left and he chips the ball very hard, very far to the back post where in comes the right wing back, I do believe. Aaron McGowan, yeah. Flies in. Oh, and yeah. hits a cushioned volley back across the goal over the keeper's head. It is nice. It is Van Basten levels. Nice. It's not quite as good as that. But uh, yeah, it's a fantastic goal. We were watching this earlier. It we're was, looking. Oh, it's basically a case of if you saw Messi's goal at the weekend, it was ten times better than that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Take um, that, Messi. That's <laughs> all about. That's not true, by the way. Okay, maybe not ten. Maybe two. But he, I really, like, honestly, everyone was going so over the top at Messi's goal that when I first saw people talking about it on Twitter, I was like, whoa, right, okay, I need to find this goal, I need to see it. And when I saw it, I don't know if I maybe just spoiled by good Messi goals, but I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but right, you, enjoy, yeah. you enjoyed yeah, Aaron McGowan's goal great. more than Messi's but then, goal. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting McGowan's goal to be so good. So when I saw it, I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. He takes it in the air. <laughs> Messi's got it on the ground when he takes yeah, it. Yeah, but this, this here is it's great technique here, McGowan, but it's where the ball should go. That's the clear, obvious choice where the ball should go when he takes that shot. Whereas Messi, no human can see the goalkeepers off his line from where he is on the pitch. When you're on the pitch playing that, you can't see him off his Listen, line. Aaron McGowan was obviously channeling his inner Messi because he said in his interview post-match that he, he was thinking about taking a touch, but he thought, Nah, I'll just hit it. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's what happened to Messi. I think Messi would have cushioned it what, just exactly the way McGowan did. What, what is it where Aki's scoring quality goals at the moment as well? Do you Fantastic remember jo- players. George Oakley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, remember George Oakley's that wee Van Basten esque finish? Like okay, it's Aberdeen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah what yeah, a hit yeah. that was, yeah. I liked, we were looking at this earlier before we uh, recorded because we do do a lot of research, don't we? And uh, I liked the way that Hamilton set up for this game. It was sort of like a 5 1. Two, one. Yeah, you had very high wing backs, one. didn't you? It was weird. So it was kind of lopsided. So when they went forward, they had a back four all the time. But if the ball was, say, on the left, then the right wing back would flee forward. So into the space because other teams shifts on. So it's a an old military tactic that a lot of football teams use where you <laughs> you push everything to one side so you can ping the ball out to the other. Like yeah. Barcelona do it a lot. Like, yeah. um, there's heaps of goals you can find online. And it's to drag it. the opposition, right? Into that sort yeah, of Yeah, you focus play on one side of the pitch so you can then ping it out. So Hamilton <laughs> really are the Barcelona of Scotland. <laughs> Messi and Guardiola and Cruyff tactics. I, mean, I was the one slamming them for calling themselves the Ajax oh, last God. week. Wow. I think it was us calling them Ajax. Anyway, yeah. but that's what they did. So yeah, the left side, the right back goes in and the right side, the left back goes. It was nice. Very good. Uh, Hamilton have got a little bit of a, a structure and an idea now. When I see them, I, I get what they're trying to play. What I couldn't understand in this game, though, was how deep Hearts were playing in the, the first half. They were kind of almost inviting Hamilton. And I think Hearts are better than that. Well, I'll tell you why I think he was doing that. Go on. Because Hamilton, under Martin Canning, would sit about... The defensive line would be on the 20 yards. Fair point. Everyone, yeah. your first person to engage would be Miller normally. And he'd be behind the halfway line, behind the ball, everyone behind the ball. You can't break it down. Hearts don't really have the players to do that. They're good at playing the ball out from the back and they've got a lot of pace and scurrying and power kind of at the front. Players like Naismith, right? By sitting deeper, you force Hamilton to come out, which opens them up, which means you can actually play the way you want to in the counter-attack. I think that's why. It could be that Levine loves defending. <laughs> well, uh, listen, it's it's been really tough for Hart. Since they beat Kilmarnock, they've only taken five points in the last six matches. And after the international break, they've got Aberdeen at home, then Rangers away, and then Hibs at home. Uh, it's so That's tough for them But that right could be now. the ones where they, they'll show up for those games. Because sh- they're yeah, big games. Of course, of course. It seems to be the problem with them, same as a lot of clubs, they just don't... Can't get revved up for going to Hamilton, but when Hibs turn up or or Celtic or Rangers Aberdeen come along, suddenly it's a big game. So you're, I should include Killian that now. As but well. also, if if they do 
turn up for these big games and do pull off results, they can have a massive say in what happens at the end of the season. Sure. Because they can have a big say in how close Rangers can close in in Celtic. Aberdeen going for third place and then Hibs also try to get into the top six or maintain their place in the top six Hearts could have a say in all of that yeah well Hamilton again is such a big win after Dundee losing the other game that we should mention is St Johnson versus St Mirren that got rained off but there's now a seven point gap between Ackies and St Mirren after that postponement so really interesting at the bottom I think Laura, this is your favourite part of the show, probably your favourite time on the show for the past, what, since November? Scotland <laughs> are back in competitive action. Yay! So they uh. play... <laughs> Don't you start. So we've got Kazakhstan on Thursday, then San Marino on Sunday. So Kazakhstan are six hours ahead of us, and Scotland are going over there and basically keeping to British time, and they're going to keep the players in the hotel with black blinds, so they're covering all the windows with black blinds in their hotel. Yeah, That's I've heard, nuts! I've heard this happen a few times with teams that are going far off field. Um, I think, um, was it Celtic when they played Kazakhstan in the Euro qualifiers, um, the Champions League qualifiers? And, was that was it, Carabag or something? Was there's been Astana and Carabag going doing the rounds. I think yeah. Aberdeen was yeah. doing one of them as well. I think yeah. these teams did Astana. the same and they kept on Scottish time instead of adapting. Scottish time, yeah. I like that. <laughs> Scottish <laughs> time. <laughs> Six hours ahead and 50 years behind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm maybe being sceptical here because I've been tossing, hurting around in the past, but I don't see this as a given that it's six points. I've seen Scotland start campaigns so often and get off to bad starts and it, there seems to be this horrible pattern of we play the first two or four games, mm. we get poor results, we're on the back foot right from the start, we start to pick it up in the middle to the point where, yes, we're mathematically still in it by the end, mm-hmm. but we're needing like a 7-0 win and yeah. a 3-0 defeat so, for the other teams. Are you implying that at any point you thought this would be a clear six points? <laughs> Everyone keeps talking about oh, Even San Marino, oh, I'm not like, oh, like, geez, come on. The thing now. is, but, they're but talking about the players that are out and they're saying, oh, but it's fine because it's just Kazakhstan and well, San no, Marino. No, but, no, but I, think, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Scotland as a footballing nation should be a far better football inside than be. Kazakhstan. <laughs> should be. We invented passing. And, and San Marino. But... You have to go into a game like this with that confidence and that belief. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? Why? What? Like, oh, should be, should be, should be nervous and sh- um, and um, and show a bit of uh, respect to your opponent. But Alex McLeish, when he picks his team to go out on Thursday, that has to be the best possible team to win the game, and it's important for us. We've got to start strongly. You mentioned the first games that are opening campaigns in the past. I think the last one we pummeled Malta 5-1 but Malta still scored against us yeah. <laughs> and that was mortifying um, but then we had the likes of a 2-1 loss to Germany and there's not a 2-1 loss though to be fair it doesn't matter you still lost no, I completely agree That's uh, I use that argument all the time and people <laughs> say oh but it was a really good result yeah. but um I wouldn't say that one was the one that stands out from the past 20 odd years of qualifiers when you've had nil-nil defeats with Lithuania and um, really poor results like that, but it um, is a defeat when you draw nil nil, especially to Lithuania. Exactly. Yeah, so let's let's talk about yeah. a few people that a uh, few people, a few players that are available. You're Alex McLeish now. Give us your team. Uh, oh geez, right, okay. Um, Alex McLeish won the European Cup Winners' Cup with Aberdeen in 1983 as well. So <laughs> I I cannot. <laughs> wow. Any excuse? Um, Any excuse? Okay, based on if they're not injured, Bain in goals, um, O'Donnell, McKenna. If he is out, then Bates, Suter and Tierney on the basis that Robertson's not going to play. This is your, your starting eleven. You have Bates and your starting eleven. No, no, I'm saying yeah. if, if McKenna's out because he's a, he's a strong doubt just now. Oh. Um, but I would say O'Donnell, McKenna, Suter and Tierney. Then in front of them, McGinn and Armstrong. In front of them, now I wrote this out before looking on Instagram, so I had Forrest, McGregor and Fraser. Since looking on Instagram, I've seen that Fraser's actually in Dubai playing golf right now. So he's not going to play because of the AstroTurf. Um, but... If I'm the manager of this team, um, I'd be saying, well, tough luck, you're going out and you're playing an Astro because we need you. So he would get in my team and he wouldn't be in Dubai right now. And Johnny Russell up front. It's a 4-2-3-1, to be clear. Yes, 4 2 3 one JJ, do you want to put your stint across? Weirdly. <laughs> um, I've got, you know, I would, I would play, I think 4-1-4-1 is what we should be playing because you can make it 4-5-1, 4-3-3, counter-attacking pace. I didn't know Fraser wasn't playing either. So O'Donnell, McKenna, Suter, Tierney, McGregor as the six, McGinn and Armstrong, Forrest and uh, Fraser with golf clubs 
and I'd play Patterson up front because he's done very well Cardiff holding oh. it up and I would put Jim Leighton in goals <laughs> very very interesting um, Jim I... Leighton also won the European Cup of the Scotland God's sake man <laughs> Oh my goodness! And you wonder where this stereotype comes from for Aberdeen fans. Right, I'll I'll rattle through mine quite quickly. I went for a four-three-three. Um, Bain and goal. Brave. Yeah. Well, that's what I've done too. Yeah. Buzz it. Um, Bain and goal. O'Donnell. <laughs> uh, then McKenna. Yeah, he's hard as nails. He'll start. He's a good freezer. Uh, then I went for John Suter, Kieran Tierney at right back because I don't think Robertson will make it. Left back. The, uh, sorry, left back. Um, then a midfield three of McGinn, McGregor and Kenny McLean, who's in yep. the squad. I was thinking about Kenny McLean. He's uh, done very well for Norwich recently. He has. He's scored back. a lot of goals and a lot of assists. Exactly. Too. I think he's I think he's a player who will complement someone like McGinn and McGregor in that. And in also that Armstrong's more, he likes to get forward quickly, so you'd leave your midfield exposed. So you put McLean in there and he's better at holding. Yeah, but I'd actually I'd actually put McGregor as the, the base of that three. That's and exactly I'll, what I would do, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and then up front, I... I'm going to say Ollie McBurney. But I know Ollie McBurney mm. is coming back from injury. But he's had an exceptional season for Swansea. And I just think it would have been excellent to have someone like Stephen Fletcher, who oddly was uh, ruled out of this squad for on injury. Tuesday for injury and then and played 84 minutes and for and Sheffield two Wednesday. Goals as well. I've heard that he has gutted, but it is a bit odd. He's got not to, he's, to go to Kazakhstan. Yeah, exactly. So San I think, Marino. I think something, a player like a Fletcher who can. Because. I've not included Burke because I don't think his first touch is that good, and I don't think Scotland are going to just hit it into the channels. You need somebody to hold the ball up. Yeah, I I toyed with Burke in my team because he has done well for Celtic. I think he has impressed since he came in, but I can't really work out where to put him because we don't have that Fletcher-esque player to hold the ball up and Mm -hmm. play it into him if he was the lone striker. (laughs) Yep, and I don't quite rate him out on the wing the same way. I totally agree. So, so just to finish my my front three with McBurney at the top. Forest on the right side and then uh, Russell or Burke I'm going to go Russell I think screw it let's yeah, go for it the weekend. Yeah. target man on the wing Yeah, oddly bit of a reunion um, with the Kazakhstan manager um, Mikhail Bilek who was the Czech Republic manager when Craig Levine played 4-6-0 no. <laughs> remember that yeah it's you not... can't forget it <laughs> yeah, I, I think about it often yeah yeah <laughs> God, what an absolute stinker. Wow. I, like I can't that. believe that's happened again. <laughs> He's back. That's it from us. We'll be back next Monday. At what time? Scottish time. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.